0: Welcome
1: to Cult and Classic. Welcome, friends and fiends of the pod, to another episode of Cult and Classic Podcast, the podcast where we talk about a mainstream film and a cult film that are thematically related. And also, sometimes we do special little episodes like this one. Today, our episode is the beloved, hated, and forgotten kids' TV shows. This is where our panel is going to talk about uh, what is our desert island show or shows as a kid that we would just like, you know, push people out of the way for. What shows did everybody like that we hated uh, as kids? And what's a show that uh, is lesser known or essentially forgotten that is uh, something we think should be brought to the forefront of everyone's mind? Uh, yeah so this is gonna be a good one I'm excited about this uh, of course I'm your host comedian and film critic Nate Wyckoff with us we also have Amanda Longley how are you doing Amanda
0: good thank good. you for
1: asking of course and Tad Mastroianni. how are you doing Tad Nate you made the mistaken assumption that I had a childhood ah uh, it's true it's true that's why I'm doing this podcast uh, this is this is childhood 2.0 uh, and and it's 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 been going good so far. It's a lot more expensive to be a kid though in your in your late thirties. Um, so this is this is cool. Uh, I wanted us to talk about the stuff that I'm essentially collecting now as an adult that I love from childhood. You know the things that are like, uh, what am I spending stupid money on? Uh, like a Ninja Turtles Farmer Mikey tractor. You know, <laughs> like these are the. <laughs> These are things that are actually in my office here at the Colton classic studios. And I wanted to hear what everybody else's thoughts were. So let's start with, uh, we'll do the beloveds first. Tad, what was your desert Island above all TV show as a kid? When
2: I was a kid, I, I think it's safe to say that the show that, uh, I guess I sat on was Garfield and friends. Um, it's a classic. It and is, it, is a, a classic. It, it is one of the first shows that I showed to my son, and he spent it spent at least a couple of years absolutely obsessed with it as well, like I did. And it's mainly because, especially as an adult, and we all know that at some point Garfield stopped being funny. Garfield also stopped being relevant but Garfield and Friends was a time when Garfield was kind of at the peak. There was a lot of merchandise. There was a lot of comic books and the TV show was clever with great writing, especially with um, U.S. Farms. The U.S. US Farms was was acres. U.S. Acres. U.S. Acres, sorry. Same thing.
1: Well, Uh, so this is great because this was, I I really struggled. This was one of mine as well, uh, very possibly equal to mine, uh, to my choice for Beloved. And it started in 88, had 121 episodes. And you mentioned the writing, which, so there's a reason why it's so freaking uh, amazing, because it's almost exclusively written by Mark Evanier. And Mark Evanier is a comic book writer. He wrote, um, uh, got so many series. I can't even think of it. Look him up. Uh, He's brilliant. Mark Evanier. He also is probably most known for writing Gru with uh, Cuban exile artist and Mad Magazine legend Sergio Aragonés. He is an incredible writer and he wrote 121 episodes, um, which is, you may notice, the full run of the show. Uh, There was a few, there were 48 episodes uh, written also by Charmin Devono and the reason that as you said there's there were like three episodes per episode it was like spongebob that way except instead of three spongebob stories in one episode you had a garfield and Friends story and then you had a u.s acres story and then you had another garfield and Friends story and u.s acres was like garfield another comic strip created by jim davis i think there were only two collections or something put out like that um from it uh but it was that's why they did that and i think it worked really well and i I have the entire run uh it's it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant
2: it's one of those things um because U.S. Acres is so obscure it's kind of like um uh Matt Groening and what Life in Hell is that yeah. what it was called mm-hmm. it's it's the same idea it's, it's award-winning like
1: award-winning comic strip about right gay it's bunnies. It's, yeah.
2: it's known if you know the history of their work and it's known if you know comics but The vast majority of people, I guarantee if you ask them, hey, do you know about U.S. Acres? Most Garfield fans would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Unless Mm -hmm. they actually watched the cartoon. And the cartoon is the only reason that I knew U.S. Acres existed. Have I ever read them? No, because the show did enough. The show was fantastic. And it was one of those few times when uh, it crammed in another franchise essentially. And it was just as good because I, Mm -hmm. as a kid, I wasn't waiting for more Garfield, even though um, those episodes... Not only did a good job of humanizing john as, as opposed to just making him a constant loser like the comics did but there are there are just some unforgettable moments like i'll never forget the moment that that more i should say the episode where and this is in the 90s you know like record players hadn't gone away but the episode about the record player when john yeah. is just trying to find a record player and the old he walks into an antique <laughs> store and the old man is like oh, i think i've got one of those in the back here it is a record player it's like record players were still relevant even though cds were a thing they were, they, they were yes. still record players yes. in my house when i was it growing is.
1: up and, and then the thing they mark avenir really went over the top with these comedic devices that other cartoon shows did not bother did they they really didn't even think that kids would be able to comprehend it i think like they had um they had overlapping jokes between an episode of Garfield and Friends and then the USA Acres episode that time or sometimes they they break the fourth wall all the time um they would have musical episodes they'd have hilarious references that kids it was very much animaniacs in this way kids just wouldn't understand like Garfield sayings that Mark Kevin gave them like um get me an attorney, get me an attorney named Murray, you know, like these, these like, you know, give me a Jewish attorney is really not something (laughs) that was for the kids, you know, and it's hilarious. And they still got away with some of the original Garfield lines that now would never happen. Like, um, you know whoever invented dj should be drug out into the street and shot you know like you just you wouldn't say that in the kids show now isn't that um, just a smiths reference though hang the dj hang the dj yeah so but it's you know they pulled it out all over the place and um and it's also from jim davis's original work and it's interesting i actually have the last few garfield collections that have come out of the last few years and i i don't know what it is i think a bit of magic has come back and i wonder if it's because the choice was made to progress time and you know uh john is actually dating liz the um uh, the vet he's not single anymore it's interesting i would give it a go and also if nobody has seen the internet phenomenon which is probably already forgotten but um uh garfield minus garfield i knew you were gonna bring it up yeah it's it's their comic (laughs) strips where an online uh, Artist removed Garfield from every single strip for a selection of Garfield strips and it's just John talking to himself and it is poignant and horrifyingly depressing it really um, is it just it 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 paints a totally different picture <laughs> um, so- interesting because I like Garfield obviously uh, you got me started on it but there's some interesting stories uh, Jim Davis created Garfield the cat because uh, not because he particularly loves cats or had any great attachment but he thought he needed it to be cute so it would be marketable and they already were doing dogs so that's why he created garfield as a cat which is this hilarious sort of cash grab answer that i think a lot of people are upset about when they actually learn it but it's been that way
2: his entire career jim Davis always was about how much money can i make off my stuff
1: and it works and his 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 one rule was is garfield will never get involved with politics or uh direct social commentary he's and his 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 stated reason was is if we do that then it removes his purpose which is to entertain and be an an, essentially an escapist fact right and people say there's no social commentary well that's not true there's always social commentary when you have humor because you can't get away from that you're talking about interpersonal relationships you're talking about single men you're talking about pets you're talking about all these aspects of our of our social culture um but i it was just fascinating to me and of course jim davis people a lot of people i don't think really know a lot about comic strip creation but you know jim davis does not draw all the strips uh, anymore he does not write all the strips anymore. A lot of artists don't you know if you think, "Wow, they never take a vacation, yeah they do. They take vacations. they don 't write all the strips anymore. Um, yet he's done a great job of creating this enterprise that really does exactly what he set out to do and has continued to do that. Uh, and there is the garfield show i think it was another a 3d animated series that came out recently it's geared towards younger kids it's also written by mark Evanier, so it is good but it's sort of it's aged down one level to where i feel like it was not as engaging to me it was just slower um there's also
2: nate keep in mind the movies which have a, a completely different feel it's one of those things like i grew up with garfield and friends and then i um when I was a little bit older, not too much older, but um, I was shown the Garfield movies that were like early eighties and they are.
1: The an- you're talking about de- the animated films. Yes. yes
2: they are tear jerkingly depressing. Like yeah. um, the, the, the Garfield's nine lives. If you want to cry your eyes out, Garfield's nine lives is easily one of the best ways to do it. Or it's worst. a
1: terrifying. Uh, it's a terrifying. Yeah. Comic. It's basically, it's a comic book and not a strip right or are you talking about the movie version
2: no i'm talking about the movie version okay
1: well the, it's so it's based off the comic book which um had uh really interesting art styles like they did like a bernie wrightson style horror moment um and yeah and it's like it's this existential journey through alternative garfields and some of them are downright bleak and brutal it's it's very good. Um, But, yeah, it's different. And then, of course, you had the holiday specials, which, uh, you know, uh, Garfield Christmas, I think, was one and and, uh, things like that. And they were based off of the they weren't really comic strips either, even though they were in the comic strip size. They were Garfield stories Um, that were released as the books and you could still find them in collected editions uh, all over the place. But, yeah, they're different. Uh, Same characters, but. Different themes. Yes, exactly. Because the show Garfield and Friends has just beautiful madcap goofballness the whole time, you know. Uh, And they had just, I loved how they referenced like 50s B movies and um, uh, super 90s things like uh, inline skating, like everything, (laughs) everything was in there. And it was really it was really beautiful, and they would have co- lots of comedians did voice work for them. And of course, you have Lorenzo Music, who is the voice of Garfield. He was the most iconic voice of Garfield, and he did other things. He did um, uh, the uh, was it the Adventures of the Gummy Bears, right? Which was um, uh, Greg's show before he did gargoyles for Disney. It's a fucking uh, weird show. It is a weird show. It's really good. It's a weird. It's I That's,
0: it- that was one of the shows I was going to bring up. Oh, <laughs> by the way
1: all right uh is it is it your beloved hated or forgotten
0: um it's one i i don't know like be, more on the beloved end of things like i don't remember a lot but i remember that being one of the shows that made me really happy
1: as it gets it had this really great mix I and mean, everybody should go check it out because it's it looks like it would be a weird tie into a candy and it's not it's and i about... still
0: remember the theme song
1: so I mean, I think that's so sad. I do right? too. yeah, I do too. and And if you like gargoyles, it's it has it's sort of like the smurfs crossed with like gargoyles because it's like it has this these enchanted bears that drink this gummy juice from this plant and then they bounce all over the place, which sounds insane. <laughs> Um, but is. the show is played very straight, and like they have like action scenes and characters in danger, and the villain is you know always trying to get the formula, the juice or whatever. It's a mad, it's an insane show, and it it has a huge amount of the team from Gargoyles later. So um, I think people didn't know what to take the show for because it looks like a goofy comedy, but it plays more like uh, an animated version of the Ewoks films that we covered last Christmas. <laughs> uh yeah fascinating so there's that's that's it for me and my garfield uh tirade uh but great choice love it tad check it out everyone i'm sure it's streaming uh but you can also pick up the dvd collections which are not done by season they're done by like collection which is interesting mandy uh was that what you chose for beloved or did you have another one as well
0: no it's like um like my brother I don't have really strong memories. Like, if it happened more than a week ago, like, I just have vague impressions of stuff. Like, I <laughs> I don't remember, like, a huge amount of, like, detail. Um, I do remember the Gummy Bears theme song. I also remember just, like, kind of just, like, a time period where it'd be, like, Gummy Bears and Smurfs and Kissy Fur? I don't know if that's one you guys remember. I have no idea about Kissy Fur. Kissy Fur. I think it was like these zoo animals that were on a train and then like the train crashed and like dumped them in the wilderness and it was like their life becoming wild animals again.
1: So it's like boxcar and, children but maybe? becoming feral.
0: Kind of, yes. Um and I believe Kissy Fur was like a bear cub. I, mean, I don't know if it was That's just wild. him that went into the wild or what, but I remember that in like the same period of time as like Gummy Bears, the Smurfs.
1: Yeah. It appears um, to be, it's all one yeah. word, kissy fur. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, 19, 26 episodes, 1985. That's a mm-hmm. fascinating one.
0: Yeah. So that was what I remember really liking. I'm being down for, but then also like there are slightly later period in my childhood uh, where I really got nerdy. And that kind of stuck possibly like i don't know nature nurture here um being super into uh three two one contact and square one and specifically the math net part of square one and then also ghostwriter like i would that that was my desert island like pack like You're if like i no had to take writer, something, right right her not writer, right her yes. yes. if i had to take like a box set of something it would have been like the pbs like, nerd pack. That's and So the I plot would...
1: of that was that there was a ghost that would write to this kid, right? Is that... Right,
0: so, like, they could ask this ghost questions. It was very, like, I don't know, like, seancey and they'd be like, oh, this thing got <laughs> stolen, or this person is missing. Like, ghostwriter, help us out. But, like, ghostwriter could only bring them back words, and, like, like, so they could write, like, clues, but they all had to be written clues. Couldn't be, they couldn't, obviously, the ghost couldn't talk to them, or, like, show them pictures. It all had to be like clues or like something got stolen i don't remember but i remember just being super excited when the opening credits came on for that show and just being super jazzed to watch it
1: like every week i remember being enraged at ghost rider not because (laughs) not because i didn't like the show i actually never watched the show for this reason i remember that um i can't remember what show i loved was before it but i believe it was a comic book uh show uh, animated series because when afterward Ghost Rider would come on, and the voice uh, of the the TV break guy would always say up next Ghost Rider. And no matter how you say it, it sounds like Ghost Rider, uh, the Marvel comic book character, Flaming Skull, Spirit of Vengeance. It and does. I was always waiting for them to do the Ghost Rider TV show that I knew uh, was constantly being considered. And so as a kid, I would hear it and I would be always like oh it's happened and I don't know how many times like you'd think that that would only happen once like you'd think that that would be something my child brain would hear once understand it's not the case and move on but it wasn't I remember being being disappointed several times uh and so I I hated that show without ever having watched it
2: some say that us Ghost Rider fans are still being disappointed to this day
1: it's true it's true although i'm still hoping on banking yeah. on those rumors of disney uh, approaching Nicolas cage to reprise his role in in a disney plus series of some kind i mean we'll, s- be. we'll see about that he it, would we'll been s- an
0: awesome uh guest appearance yes it would show. absolutely
1: um yeah yeah so okay good that's a good one let's do hated next um I'll go first. So my choice for hated was kind of, they're kind of boring because when I think of the series I didn't like, it was when I was much younger. Um, The things that everyone, every parent I go to, uh, I go to like somebody's house to be babysat or daycare or whatever when my parents worked. And um, it was always these three shows, Sesame Street, uh, which I didn't like, and it was through here's the thing i adore jim henson studios i adore them the characters are brilliant i love it i don't know what it was about the show that never connected with me i think it was the overt educational aspect um it didn't it didn't successfully hide any of its educational aspirations every character was always specifically asking questions to become educated and as a kid it did not engage me um it felt closer to reading a dictionary than it did watching an entertainment show and it's, I mean, it's done amazing things. It's it's probably the longest running TV show ever, I would imagine, at this point. Uh, it's, it has over 1,700 episodes uh, and it's still running. And there's been countless spin offs and at movies and things like that. And of course, the puppetry is unbelievably amazing. So it's an amazing show, but I didn't like it as a kid. The other two that I didn't like, and now I have this weird nostalgia about where I kind of do like them, is of course, the, the, it was kind of fading a little bit uh, during my childhood, so probably all of ours, but was Lamb Chops um, and uh, the, the, the uh, um, puppet of famed puppeteer. And now I forget her name. Um, but Lamb Chop, it was, it was the song that never ends. Do you guys remember the theme song? Uh, it's like the song that never ends because it goes on and No, on. I
2: was trying to forget it, Nate, but thanks. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. um you're welcome and uh uh, it's sherry lewis of course sherry lewis is the uh the voice and puppeteer or i don't know if you call it a puppeteer but uh the, the hand puppeteer sherry lewis does the voice for lamb chops and the other characters on the show and it's actually a really cute show um it's sort of like a fraggle rock but instead of uh uh instead of jim henson puppets you have hand puppets and you can still find lamb chop chew toys all the way for, for some reason, dogs <laughs> apparently still get to eat lamb chop. Um, interesting story about Sherry Lewis is that she would horrify fans when she'd go to restaurants and be noticed because she would call over a waiter and as she's talking to them, she'd ask for a, a rare lamb chop, like extra bloody. And send them off, which of course, I doubt they'd actually give her, but apparently it really upset some people. And I think that's hilarious. That's a true comedian right there. Um, But Lamb Chop, I did not like. And that song got in my head all the time. But of course, the biggest one that everyone shoved down our throat in the 90s. uh, Oh, my God. Barney the Dinosaur. Um, (laughs) I mean... zero argument for me
0: there it was the
2: the, the straight purple low-hanging fruit there aren't you
1: so here's i know it's just so obvious but i do feel like it sort of disappeared like it, it was like a weird fad one you know like it was so big and now you can reference it and i feel like a lot of gen z may not get it because i don't know that they i think it was over at that point um now looking back there's a few things i like so first off, it's a dinosaur. That's great. Um, he talked in this big, dumb voice. I'm like born you. Uh, and it was all about love and his, his theme song or his like ending credit song was, of course, I love you. you know, we're going to get like a, a non-demonetized for this. I'm like, okay, well. Um, but, you know, it, but one great thing is that it gave us the inspiration for uh, Robin Williams and Ed Norton in Death to Smoochie, which I'm sure we will cover on this podcast at some point. Um, but also, I, I guess looking back I went back and started watching it I I find it weirdly engaging and maybe it's just the sense of that hipster nostalgia where like it's so weird to watch these big baby talking cute dinosaur furries like uh condescend to children or rather having the children condescend to them is actually how it happened that it's just wild Uh, but at the time I hated it and oh my god everybody was watching it constantly what I was watching over and over again, much to my mom's concern, because even it's there's something a little adult about even the most benign episodes of it is Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Pee Wee's I know this is another beloved, but Pee-wee's Playhouse, Paul Rubin is Pee Wee Herman, is absolute brilliance. It is go watch it as an adult. You cannot be engaged. You cannot not be engaged. It is the most engaging insane um if people are like oh god like robot chicken is too like you know whiplash from uh, uh, this that this that scene scene they have nothing on peewee's playhouse i mean it's it was this amalgamation of all these kid shows from mr rogers to uh, even to older shows with you know they'd have animated shorts they had tons of puppetry which is everybody loves puppets thank you tammy faye and uh, uh it's just it was brilliant and i absolutely loved it and paul rubin is just super amazing uh performer and a brilliant creator and uh that's that's always mine but that was what i wanted to watch um and other people that and, and i remember a couple of the kids like a couple make like one year two year younger than me that i would get babysit with in the brief times i was babysat they they didn't like it it was scary They'd say it was scary, and it is kind of scary, right? Like it's wild. A disturbing. It's, it's
0: wild. wild.
1: Yeah. And I wanted to take the opportunity too to mention, even though this is my hated segment. If if you're like me and it's totally crazy, uh, and and you like that sort of insane stuff, uh, you need to go check out the documentary beauty is embarrassing it's from 2012 it's about uh uh, wayne white who's an artist uh, a great painter and puppeteer but he worked on Pee Wee's playhouse um doing making puppets that essentially he had never made before and it's super interesting and just a very engaging story and even without it watching his seeing his work is, is awesome. And it's got, of course, Paul Rubens is in the documentary, Mimi Pond, Mark Mothersborough is in there. Matt Groening is in there. Um, it's just brilliant, brilliant stuff. So, all right, that's my plug. Tad, unmute yourself, friend, because it's your, uh, most hated kid show moment.
2: Uh, this one was actually hard because I had to think back real hard and, uh, think about shows that, People watched that I didn't like, and I'm sure there were a bunch of them, but they weren't as popular as the one I'm thinking of, which is Cat Dog. Cat Dog yeah. is one, and and this is and this is contentious, um, because I know that there are people in my family and my friend circles that loved Cat Dog Your growing family up.
1: I did love Cat Dog. I remember yes. that often.
2: Yes, um, to to a um, psychotic degree, I felt because there was. I, you know what, you know what the runner-up for this was was actually Angry Beavers. Even though I found no, because I knew you were gonna say that. No. The reason that I don't like Angry Beavers for the most part is because I always felt like it was just trying to be Rocco's Modern Life, real hard. Also amazing. Now there's now to be fair, there is a quote from the Angry Beavers that I still say to this day. When uh, Daggett says Norbert, go, he's like, "How could you say no to that?" And I go, "Like this, no." That's the best part of the entire show. The rest of the show can fuck itself. But CatDog, there was nothing redeeming about that fucking show.
0: I always think stinky plus stinky equals not stinky from Angry (laughs) Beavers when they had the stinky show
1: the stinky toe i so yeah. i will I anyway would, yeah i would fight you for angry beavers because i adore that but i will <laughs> say my wife has the exact feeling you do she hated angry beavers i adored the sounds the voice acting in that of course veteran voice actors you know right. totally crushed uh, angry beavers and the fact that angry beavers almost exclusively has two characters i mean that is that is it uh, there are of course others occasionally but the vast majority of them bickering non-stop um and it just maybe it just gave me the like the the sibling i never had moment yeah it gets tiresome after a while i mean
2: there's well you also had
1: bickering siblings like you had siblings in your house uh
2: i had more than two that's the thing is is that when you add that there's more dynamic whereas if it was just me and one other brother at some point that dynamic would get fucking old you got to add something new um but with cat dog, it's one of those things like I had an irrational hatred of it. And honestly, it's been over 20 years to this point. I think it's been like 25 years. Has it been that long already? And I don't even remember why I hate it. But I do remember that cat was voiced by that guy that voices like fucking everything in Disney and in uh, Nickelodeon, because when I was when I was thinking about shows for this list, I was desperately trying to avoid anything Nickelodeon related because it dominated the nineties so hard. Yep. And there are so many shows. '93
1: was about the peak of brilliance. And you're talking, yeah. you were talking, you're talking about dog. Cause it was Tom Kenny no. was dog SpongeBob no, and that was Jim Cummings. Yeah. He's, he's of like course, Billy point. West was in it. I mean, Maria yep. Bamford was in it. Um And even with that, like, cause of course I am, the biggest maria bamford fan of the world I've, I've seen her so many times go check her out by the way she's doing amazing zoom shows they're the only zoom shows i really enjoy watching um, but yes it's, it's um it's it's one of those things when i hear
2: uh his voice in skyrim and granted that was at this point 10 years ago but mm-hmm. skyrim is one of those games where no one ever fucking stops playing it and talking so- about it because they won't put out a new fucking elder scrolls game but you hear his voice and i instantly think cat and i'm like i'm tired of hearing your fucking voice i'm tired of hearing when you were pete i'm tired of hearing when you were 15 other fucking disney characters i'm tired of hearing you in everything well he has a
1: great voice too because i mean so there's no it's not it's not surprising because well and he does several different ones right like he also does the modern winnie the pooh so he does winnie the pooh and tigger but then he also does um uh, like he was clamped down in the 20 the mid 2010s like the 2015 e transformers robots in disguise uh, he was on star wars rebels with a, a good friend of mine um, so he's done um, you're right he's in everything and he's always doing it um it's the same he boy, you know, seven, he's, he's darkwing duck yep um, yep uh, he he he's uh, God, he's everything. Um, I would love to have a career like his, but, but it's true. There are certain people, mine is Billy West. When I hear Billy West's voice and I don't hate it, obviously, but I always think Futurama, even though he's done so much before and so much during and so much since every time I hear his voice, um, You just think Fry. Yeah. It's Fry. Like Fry, like Fry. Um, yeah. And I, I, I realized that I missed my beloved. I went over several beloved things that were not my choice. My choice was also super obvious. Um, it was the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show. I mean, that was truly my everything I would get up. And I mean, the show ran uh, from the 80s into the 90s. It was... uh, A cultural phenomenon that was just unlike anything else
2: yeah, there was never anything like it there never will be again
1: that's what he'd be saying that and go bots go bots yeah my new go (laughs) bots is going to come up and of course the comic book for uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that inspired it is also still brilliant and of course it's I mean it ended years ago but there have been several um several reiterations I uh IDW publishing has the current one which is quite good there's a big series right now called The Last Ronin in in an alternate future where Raph is the only brother left it's apparently quite good um, but the original show it lasted so long that there w- were tonal shifts in it. You know, it was one of those shows that revamped itself because several times to be more adult as the as the sort of media landscape changed and as their viewers aged. It lasted 193 episodes. I think a chunk of the final season was never actually aired, although it's all been released on DVD since. Um, Fred Wolf was the series creator. Fred Wolf uh, has done so many shows from the 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 90s chipmunks to um he was he worked on uh he was a producer for ducktales the original series which is another phenomenal show um i mean i can't and he worked he worked from the really experimental shorts the animated shorts that were popular in the 60s and 70s like the point uh he did that um the a weird one that i vaguely remember and i was surprised to see was puff the magic dragon in the land of the living lies it was a weird sequel uh to puff the magic dragon and uh yeah he's just done a ton he did a lot of the specials like the one episode specials like the california raisin show um he also was a producer for an ep- for the first episode of the toxic crusaders tromaville's uh animated version of the toxic avenger uh, the 90s speed racer, which is kind of forgotten because it, there's the original then the 90s and then the 2000s sort of reboot. But yes, he's done uh, quite a quite a few things. And uh, and I, he, I believe he stepped out of the game in, in 97 or something. I think he, he produced that animated Zorro feature, or I mean, series in the 90s. Um, but yeah, he's done so much. So his name has been all over the place. And I don't know Bill's relation to him, Bill Wolf, but Bill Wolf directed the majority of the Ninja Turtles episodes, or at least was one of the people. Yeah, he, he directed most of them, 138. So big love big love for that series also the first episode of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show has one of my favorite cartoon jokes ever where they're eating at a pizzeria in disguise and a dagger flies into the center of their table with a a, a piece of paper on it and they're like what is it a ransom note a threat worse it's the bill is one of my favorite I remember being a kid just losing my mind oh my god Welcome to Ninja Pizza, home of the nice slice. So good. And of course, it was also when we got the insane um, extreme sexualization of the token female character. uh, Because April O'Neil was changed from um, like a dark curly haired uh, 90s woman who dressed in 90s baggy fashion from the comics to a like bob redhead in a skin tight yellow onesie with a front zipper. Uh, full front zipper so and zipper was boots. always as down as it could possibly i mean be. white heels can you get any more classic hooker than that on tv <laughs> um it's 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 true and it was great and i love that in the 2012 the 3d animated ninja turtle series which in my opinion is actually the superior of all of the later iterations although i enjoy them all um they had a joke because in that series they decided to make uh donatello have a crush on April, which was kind of cute because April was down-aged and uh, and they had them in looking through gateways into other dimensions and he sees that dimension, he sees that dimension's April and sort of loses his mind, Uh, it was cute. But yeah, so that's my beloved. Um, Yeah, so this brings us to our last round here uh, of of forgotten TV's kids shows that that we think should be reevaluated. I'm gonna start with you, Tad. What's the forgotten show or the less known show that you would like people to know about?
2: It's um, it's going to sound, well, I guess not super weird, but um, there may be a lot of listeners who aren't aware of it, even though it was on multiple networks and actually got a lot of exposure very briefly in the late 90s, which is Ronin Warriors. Uh, it is a uh, Japanese, it is an anime. It's a Japanese show that came to America in the 90s, kind of when anime was sort of popular, but it was before the Toonami craze. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it did air in Toonami, I'm pretty sure in the late uh, well, the the post-911 tsunami era when we were basically finishing up high school. But it was a Sentai Shonen kind of show where it was almost Power Rangers-like, but it was a lot more serious. It was about five kids who were essentially reincarnated to fight against a supernatural emperor who was trying to merge dimensions and conquer our world. And it had the typical trappings of like we've got this uh useless female character who just follows the boys around with her brother who is also completely useless and they just kind of ground everybody while all the supernatural stuff's happening and the professor character who also basically does nothing so it was um there was very little romance there was a lot of fighting there was also it was it was basically um it was a response to the sailor moon craze like this is sailor moon for boys and it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot less romance even though they're kind of they kind of threw I think I don't remember as much anymore because I want to go back and re-watch it because I have it I just haven't done it yet but they threw Kyra in kind of as the female who could be potentially a romance interest for people but it never really happened it was kind of refreshing mm-hmm. because it gets tiresome to just throw in somebody just to be a romantic thing and that that bitch was murderous like she was more powerful than all of them
1: it's funny you mentioned because first off i'd forgotten this show and i love this show um, yeah but it actually it it was funny because it was i realize now it was in the back of my head even though i couldn't pull it out of memory when we reviewed um uh uh go a stranger um the, when we did our anime episode uh, a, a while back, this was sort of similar. That, that sort of one female team dynamic was the same. Like romance was potential and there was maybe chemistry at times or they kind of alluded to that or, or just dropped a line here or there, but it was never overt and because it, it was never the part of the plot that they wanted to focus on. Um, and it was a great show and it's, it was written uh, entirely by uh, a really well-known established anime writer, um, Jinzo Toriumi, who did, uh, uh, it's funny, did worked on Gacha Man in the 70s. And actually, I literally just got from Sentai uh, distribution today, Gacha Man, the 1978 movie re-release in the mail. Um, but he also was, I remembered him because he was a writer on Speed Racer, the original series, uh, which is one of my favorite insane shows ever. Um, if you've never watched the original Speed Racer, watch it it's nuts i mean oh my god it's it's that i don't even know how to describe that show sometimes it it did things that made no sense from a narrative structure like um every time racer x was on the screen the narrator would say racer x who is secretly speed racer's brother there was no tension they they obliterated all sense (laughs) of tension from the under the overarching story of racer x protecting his brother without his brother knowing he was alive like it, every they beat you over the head it was just an, it was a weird weird show it was, uh, it's also credited with being the first anime to reach the states uh and and that sort of set the tone for what we would expect from then on out um it's like a, a reverse tension
2: like when i was a kid the tension was when are they finally going to reveal you know like when when are the brothers going to actually meet up and realize they're brothers that's like yeah did it ever happen? I don't know. I didn't watch enough of
1: the show. I'm going to be honest. I don't remember. I've watched every episode, um, and I watched a lot of the, reiter- the uh, reinvented versions later. And I will actually throw this out there. The Wachowski sisters deserve a lot of credit um, for their Emile Hirsch, John Goodman version of the movie. A lot of people hated it, made so all the worst, worst film lists. Here's the thing. If you watch the show and watch that, it is a pure love letter to the madness that is the original show. It's one of those that if you, if you go in expecting them to have given it the Fast and the Furious treatment, I, you're totally gonna miss the ball. <laughs> nope. If you expect to go in and be like slapped in the face with nostalgia and Easter eggs and freeze frames of actual shots recreated in real life from the show, it's magical um, with this veneer of neon. Like just this Wachowski Matt, it is—it's brilliant. So I people are like, "Wow, it's so crazy because they make such great movies like *V for Vendetta* and you know *The Matrix*." And then they—and then they did that stinker. I'm like, "You're missing the point. You don't go from genius to garbage. Like that's not how it works." If you didn't get it, you're probably missing something. Reevaluate. Uh, anyway, that's my—that's my, that's my rip on that. Mandy, what is your forgotten kids TV show that you would recommend?
0: You guys, are you guys ready?
1: We're ready. All
0: right. Nice. Zoobly Zoo.
1: What? Zoobly Zoo. That's oh
0: you, God, neither I'm of you kidding. know what that is. It, it
1: sounds familiar. Knows. Yes. It sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> Zoobly Zoo. Okay, give us a rundown. What is Zoobly Zoo?
0: Oh, uh, so Zoobly Zoo was a live action, of like. Oh, I think they had like six main characters. They had all were dressed as animals, and they lived in a magical land called Zoobly Zoo. And it was like semi-educational, and they each kind of had their own thing. And oh my god, have they're High hijinks and adventures, yes. Sorry, I just realized it's like <laughs>
1: it's like a it's like a it's like a PBS kids production of Cats.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Was fucking
1: thing. Exactly that
0: flavor. Wowza. Like the cats. The this cats. Is coming, this is
1: all coming back to me now. This is wild. I've never seen this. Um, oh.
2: So what's I, did, I now? I do remember this, and I also remember running as fast as possible
1: away from the TV when this shit came on. Nineteen eighty-six. Yeah. I I'm. This is wild. So so, what made this show so engaging?
0: So I don't actually remember it too much from when I was a kid. I know I saw it when it was first on TV because we did the whole like PBS thing. That was what we had for TV. So I know I saw it when I was little and it was first on. Um, I don't remember having any particular feelings about it, but like fast forward to when I was in college and I, one of my closest friends freshman year was obsessed with, um, oh crap. I brought this up before. Um, the, uh, the Bob, what is that? Sh- why can't I told you guys we should do the remake of this. Why can't I think of, I'm totally blanking now because of the pressure and I'm so excited, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where they um they're they where he's the game person he's the the guardian in they had all the puns why can't i think of that? that's so terrible anyway dot Sorry, you lost me but
1: yes i don't know oh, dot, reboot. like
0: reboot reboot, reboot. so yes, i believe it was a,
1: reboot okay
0: re, yes reboot so i believe That it was a voice actress who did dot matrix's voice was one of the zoobly animals, so this friend of mine was like super into reboot she had. um, videotaped all of the episodes off of cartoon network and we would like watch them together, but then because that wasn't enough, she also had all the zoobly zoo because it was the same actress. As was in reboot so i ended up watching all of that like in college and being like wow that's a real head trip i can't believe that is something i watched when i was a kid as well
1: so that's that's impressive that's i'm looking actually story. and i'll say the cast of of zooply zoo actually has done some great great stuff um OK, I'm going to go I'm going to go ahead and, and give this a watch because this looks like my kind of madness um, it probably is, especially since I'm low key obsessed with uh, the the Hopper version of cats that came out recently, um, <laughs> which, again, I'm sure we're going to do on this podcast. You're
2: going to so, put me through
1: that. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. It is an experience. I'm not even joking. It's I've experience.
2: heard it's an experience. I never heard anything
1: that it was a positive experience. I saw it in theaters. I had to go by myself. Of course you did. Um. Bought it first day. Okay, so, uh, Tad, what is your forgotten kids TV show that people should reevaluate? Didn't we just do this? I think we did. We already forgot. What was yours? I did. I'm pretty sure I just told you. Oh, Ronan. Ronan. Yeah. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. See, I'm literally stuck on Zoobly Zoo. <laughs> Zoobly just way, guys,
0: wiped your when, wiped your mind. When, yeah. I,
1: when I go through and, and find a new show, the first thing I do is, after checking the credits, is I go on IMDb and I check out the trivia because you never know what kind of connections it'll have. Mm-hmm. And there's one piece of trivia somebody, I'm sure, very uh, kindly intentioned put in. And this is the trivia they put in for Zoobly Zoo. And guys, it's Z-O-O-B-I-L-E-E and then zoo this is the trivia they thought was important to share to the world that somebody might find amazing This is a quote the word zoo is mentioned twice in the title once in the word zoobily the other in the word zoo <laughs> that is not trivia folks I'm, i get the feeling that that was a troll job this is, this is not trivia. There's, a, a, I'm a big fan of Paul F. Tompkins. Paul, I hope you uh, join us in the show one day. Paul F. Tompkins has this, this bit about when he quit a hat shop, when two separate occasions, like six months apart, a customer walked in and said, I'd like to try on the king hat. And he's like, the crown? And, and that's the kind of lose faith in humanity moment that the word zoo is mentioned twice in the title being trivia Um, Uh, especially since in order to look at this show on imdb i am looking at the title spelled out uh and i also want to give them i also want to give them a short jab with a cattle prod because they called zoobaly a word uh which i really don't think zoobaly qualifies as a word uh okay all right we're gonna move on to my pick to round us out here I don't know if anyone's going to remember this. Um, It only it ran for two years, which seems like a stretch uh, from 92 to 94. And this is something that I, this is something that brought my wife and I together early uh, in our relationship because I had found a DVD copy of it. I think it's out of print now uh, in the uh, target clearance aisle, but it was a a online order. If you ever see a target uh, clearance they'll have a clearance sticker. And then you also have online orders, which is anytime it's either an online order or it was shipped by mistake or any reason that something is, can't be sold normally, they put an online order and just price it at something. So I found the set as an online order priced at something and I bought it and it's King Arthur and the Knights of justice. Fuck yes king arthur and the knights of justice this is the most 90s cartoon i could have imagined now if anybody remembers the 80s um dungeons and dragons sh- cartoon which is brilliant it is super brilliant it actually has an arc there's an ending super awesome uh two separate soundtracks on that one guys so if you do seek it out be aware of that king arthur and the knights of justice has that plot but ultra 90 like super ni- so 90s that it's it's like drinking um a can of surge while (laughs) eating gushers um while listening to toad in the wet sprocket like it's so 90s so uh it's the plot is is that and i'm quoting from imdb here because how could i do it any better uh when the real king arthur and his knights are captured by morgana who is again cast as a horrible villain. Merlin casts a spell to bring an American football team called the Knights, led by Arthur King to the past <laughs> to help free the real King and stop Morgana's evil plans by collecting magical keys. Uh, there was one key for each knight and one for King Arthur. Okay, so I have watched the entire show, and I'm going to tell you this. I don't remember Jack's shit about keys. I do not. I, I, don't do I, I, I do not remember i watched this show
2: pretty religiously
1: and and i've watched the show recently okay and what i will say is is that the show has these knights uh who were designed they're kind of neat designs but they were clearly designed to sell toys of each because they're all very distinct they won in these battles against these dark forces and monsters and other knights by using football plays um and our international listeners we are talking about american football the the sort of oblong uh funky ball not the stuff that you actually use your feet with but you know the football game where you don't use your feet that one um and it's it was like the most gung-ho pro usa without ever very frat very frat yeah like they literally was like they pulled him out of a frat a frat game Uh, and the fact that his name was arthur king just (laughs) super brilliant they kind of they kind of alluded to the idea and no i love aquaman so i'm not reading that but it's kind of it's kind of cool in a goofy way that they insinuated that maybe there was like reincarnation at play without saying that because that would be uh unchristian of them but the best thing about the show. The animation's decent, um the plot is fun. It's it's a very much, you know, oh, it's sort of like if you know Jason the wheeled Warriors, another kind of forgotten one, uh made to sell toys. It's like a more accessible less space version of that. But the theme song for this show oh is the best 80s power ballad ever. It's got That'd like this incredible. like like it's, like, it's like it's like Iron Ring.
2: Maiden or Megadeth needed to do it's a cover of it.
1: So good. like I'm I'm I gotta go check to see if Power if uh, Power Glove has done a cover because it's, it's that good. <laughs> like just go on YouTube and look at the opening for uh, uh, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, and it is it is super cool. And and this is one that I want I made my wife watch with me while we slept mostly, um over and over again. So it is ingrained into both of our heads now, uh, and I think it's why she married me. Um, uh, yeah so it's super brilliant check it out Uh, this has been a great episode I'm very happy to have such great panelists with great memories even spotty as all of our memories may be and I hope you guys listeners had some fun listening to us talk about these shows find these shows support these shows yes they're probably on YouTube yes they're streaming other things but if you like them and you want to watch them check to see if they're in in print or for pay streaming because Getting these things back uh, on physical media takes money. It takes interest, um, but also just enjoy it. Sometimes it's all about remembering that fun stuff exists in the world. Um, and if you like CatDog and you have a solid reason why, email us at Podcast at gmail.com because I didn't like Definitely. it either. And I, I didn't get it. Uh, I didn't get it. Also, how did they poop? It's the weirdest thing. I know it's like not ever uh. addressed, even though it's, it's just the weirdest. I just it's it's disturbed me it disturbed me uh to play us out as always is the chud with all about evil i want to say guys rate us on whatever you find your podcast uh, leave us reviews reviews help other people find us if you do leave a review somewhere especially on apple podcast send us your screen name and your mailing address and we'll watch for it when it posts i will send you physical cool stuff like pins or stickers or zines something cool to say thank you guys for listening to cult and classic podcast and we will catch you next time